Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Mark chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, the scriptures we're looking at are on the inside of your bulletin. Uh, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2, um, verses 1 to 5. Before we uh, we'll look at that, though, is I, I want to just sort of set the context for why we're looking at this passage and how this passage fits into where we've been. Um, we are in a series right now called Good News for a Change. Right? This is a five-week series looking at the Gospel of Mark. And what we saw last week um, was that the Gospel is good news. It's not good advice. Okay, what that means is that the Gospel is not about what you should do. It's about what Jesus has done. Okay, this is news for us. And last week we saw that you don't have to be perfect to get God to begin to work in your life. You just have to be honest with him. Right? Remember that? Um, that God works powerfully and personally in the lives of people who are honest. Um, and that's good news that renews us. It changes us. Well, today, as we look at Mark chapter 2, we're going to see that there's good news and bad news. Okay? The good news is that God has a plan for our lives. Okay? It's a plan that leads us to the best life that we could live. It is a plan that leads us to the most fulfilling life the most impactful life, the most hopeful and joy-filled life we could ever have. The bad news is that we don't always like God's plan. Okay? Good news is God has a plan. Bad news is we usually don't, we, we often don't like God's plan. And this keeps people away from God because there are people with a lingering doubt that's inside of them. When they think about Jesus, when they think about Christianity, um, people think, well, wait, wait, what if God asks me to do something that I don't want to do? Right? How can I commit to Jesus not knowing all that he's going to ask me to do? This is the tension that I think Mark brings up and addresses in the passage we're going to look at in Mark chapter 2. Um, again, the good news is that God has a plan for our lives. And when God's plan is different from our plan, it's better. So we're going to see this plan, and we're going to talk about what does this mean, okay? Um, because what if God's plan for you isn't the plan that you have chosen? Right? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, what if God's plan for you isn't the plan that you want? Let's read the first five verses here of Mark 2 and see this tension. God's word says this, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, this is Jesus, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he, Jesus, was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is God's word. So here's the scene. Jesus is in his home, which this week for me, that was a new thing. Oh, Jesus had a home. I mean, I kind of knew that, obviously, but this is a place where it actually mentions, hey, Jesus had a home and he was at home. So, um, and the whole town hears that he's at home and the crowds come to the point where the house is full so much so that there's a crowd of people at the door, right? So the door is open and you got this sort of like cone shape of people that are like crowding the door, like just trying to hear what's going on inside. 
And in verse 2, it says Jesus was preaching the word. He was preaching the word to them. And so he's sharing this good news that God is now working in the world through him. He says the kingdom of God has come, and he's saying we can turn in the direction of Jesus and join what God is doing. God can show up in our lives if we will turn the direction of our lives to follow after Jesus. And then in verse 3, we have five guys. Okay, five guys, not burgers and fries, but five guys, right? These are four guys actually carrying the fifth guy, their paralyzed friend. And they heard about Jesus and they carry their friend to Jesus, but there's a problem, right? They can't get to Jesus, right? They can't get there. The crowd at the door means they can't even get in, right? They're trying to get in, there's a crowd, they can't even get through, they can't even get close. The crowd is barring the way. But then... I want you to see here their dedication. Okay, the dedication of their friends. They can't get through the door, so they climb up on the roof. Now, this wasn't absolutely crazy uh, to climb up on the roof. I've got a picture here of um, what, it, what houses back then, might, what this house might have looked like. And so there usually were stairs. The, the, the rooftop was kind of like a front porch today. Um, where you could go up there in the cool of the evening and just sort of hang out, spend time, look at the stars. Um, and so, but so these guys carried the, the, the man on the bed up to the roof and then they began to dig through it. It would have been made of mud and maybe thorns and branches. So they would have had to dig, they dug through the roof and they lowered the body down so that they could bring their friend to Jesus. Okay, and so you think like on the inside, like if this were to happen for us, like all of a sudden you'd see these like dirt clods dropping from the ceiling, right? You'd hear this kind of stuff going on and pretty soon like a big clod and then a giant clod comes falling down, right? You could imagine what it would be like. People start looking, what is, what is that? I think there's somebody up on the roof. What are they doing? Don't they know Jesus is teaching? Like what? And all of a sudden like, you know, it all comes and then And it's a huge hole that they make, right? Think about it, a grown man on a bed, right? Try to lower a bed down through a roof. So it's not like a little hole, but we're talking about a hole that's the size of a bed or even bigger because you got to get the bed through, right? So, um, so they lower the guy down. It's a huge ordeal. But this is what these friends do to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. So I want to stop for a second and just ask, I want us to ask ourselves a question. Who do you have in your life that can be this kind of a friend to you? Who is in your life right now who is willing to pick you up and bring you to Jesus? And who are you close enough in your life where you're having regular, personal, spiritual conversations? Who's having an impact on this part of your spiritual life? Right now, this happens through conversations together. Right? It happens with people coming together, through someone praying for you, through the key relationships in your life. Like if, if someone's asking you, so what are you learning about in your reading of the Bible? Or what is God teaching you in your life? Right? How are you doing in the key relationships of your life? How are you doing with your coworkers? How are you doing in the home? How are you doing with your if you're married, how are you doing with your spouse, your kids? Like, what, what's going on in those areas of your life? These sorts of conversations um, really make up what we call making disciples. 
And I think today that's what it means for us to bring people to Jesus. Okay, we haven't filled out the blank yet in your uh, in your handout in the bulletin, but uh, below the blank, I want you to write down this definition of bringing people to Jesus. It's intentional, regular time together, helping each other grow spiritually. Okay, so if you want to know what does it look like for you to bring someone else to Jesus, it means intentional, regular time together, helping each other grow spiritually. If you want to know what it means or how to answer the question, do I have anybody in my life bringing me to Jesus? Ask yourself the question, is there anybody in my life that I'm spending intentional, regular time together helping each other grow spiritually? Below that definition, I want you to write down the names of the people in your life who are bringing you to Jesus. Write their names down. Add to that a list of the people that you are bringing to Jesus. And that list could be a lot of overlap there. Usually there is. This is a vital element of real friendship. Now with your list, I want you just to stop and for literally five seconds, just thank God that you have these people in your life. Thank God for these people in your life. These five guys are a model for what our church is and what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be a group of people who are pursuing Jesus and bringing each other to him. And that's what every person in this room needs. That's what every person in our city needs. We need people who are bringing us to Jesus. Someone that you can be honest with. Someone you can be real with. And someone who will bring you to Jesus. Um, Our life groups are a great place to begin the kind of friendships that will lead to this. Our life groups are listed on the back of your bulletin. They meet during the week for this purpose. Um, And I know, I know that for some of you, you think, yeah, I've got some people in my life, I don't really like them very much. (laughs) Like they try to bring me to Jesus, but the way they talk to me, I don't really care for the way they talk to me. They're kind of abrasive, they're abrupt. They don't always say things the way I really wish they would say things. Yeah, I can see they're trying to bring me to Jesus, but... I just don't like how they're bringing me to Jesus. And so, um, if that's the case, can you humble yourself and be thankful that you have this person in your life? I think a lot of you have people in your life, but you've cut yourselves off from them. You have people in your life who are willing to bring you to Jesus and yet you're not willing to go with them. So often we isolate ourselves. Sometimes it's because of pain that we've experienced in the past and we don't want to get close to anybody anymore. Um, Sometimes it's because we've been hurt by others. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're hiding things. Friends, I think it's helpful for us to see that we are this paralytic 
in certain areas of our lives. In other areas of our lives, we are one of the friends that are bringing our friend. You can't grow far without loving other people. I mean, one of the values of our church is that we are growing in community. Like, no one is supposed to be an island. None of us can do it on our own. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we can't make progress. We can't even experience the fullness of the gospel if all we're doing is trying to pursue a relationship with God. Okay, we cannot grow far without being in relationships with other people. If you don't have people that are taking you to Jesus and that you are taking to Jesus, then you are a spiritual paralytic. And you need to acknowledge that. There are things about us, blind spots, there are issues that we haven't dealt with, there are sharp edges on our character and the ways that we react to things, and we need people in our lives so that these sharp edges can be, what, softened. We need the sandpaper and the friction of relationships, um, along with an openness to admit our faults um, in relationship for us to grow. What's amazing about this story about these men is that look what Jesus sees in verse 5. It says, Jesus sees all this, and here's what's great, is that I'm guessing, and I probably would have been one of these people, I would have gotten irritated. If I was sitting in the crowd, listening to Jesus, and they start digging through the roof, I'm like, really? Seriously? Couldn't y'all wait? You know what? There's a place out the door. Come on. There's, you know, Jesus talks loud enough. You could have heard. I mean, I'd be kind of upset, frustrated, because they're disrupting this. And maybe even there might have been part of me that's like trying to protect Jesus and him for, like you're putting him in danger, you know, whatever. But like, what is Jesus? How does Jesus respond? It says, and when Jesus saw their faith. And so, this is Jesus. Like, Mark is like, if you want to know what Jesus is like, Jesus is in this scene, and when he sees them breaking through the roof, he says, wow, these are people of great faith. These are people who not only believe in me, but they're taking action. They know that I have what they need. And so he sees their faith, affirming them. And then Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And there you kind of hit the pause button, right? Hey, wait a second, hold on. This is not what they expected Jesus to say. Right? This is not why they came, right? They were expecting Jesus to say, Son, take up your bed and walk. Weren't you expecting that? But Jesus had a plan for the situation that they weren't expecting. And again, herein lies the tension. Right? The good news is that God has a plan for our lives. The bad news is that we don't always like God's plan for our lives. Because in this passage, Jesus' plan isn't the plan that they would have chosen. Right? Don't you feel this? Right? We want him to do one thing, but he has a different plan. And so we're going to talk about this and examine this and try to apply this to our lives. And so as we do this, um, here's what we're going to see. I want you to fill this in your bulletin. 
when God's plan is different from ours, it's always better than ours. Okay, when God's plan is different from ours, it's always better than ours. Jesus is not dumb. Jesus is not clueless. He's not oblivious. He knows. It is clear to him what these five guys and everybody in the crowd would have expected. They're coming for healing. But what does Jesus' response indicate? Jesus is telling us, look, you know what? There's a different and there's a deeper issue here. There's a deeper problem that needs to be addressed. All of us have an agenda for Jesus. Okay, All of us have a wonderful plan for how God should rule the world. All of us have ideas of the way that God ought to react, ought to respond, what he ought to do and not do. And what we need to do is we need to set our agenda down and accept his agenda. So often we come to God and we think we know what we need. And Jesus says, I think every time I can heal you. But sometimes we don't hear him. Because we're doctors. And so is Jesus. We have a diagnosis of the situation. We know what the problem is. We think that our problem is our circumstances. We think our problem is the other person in our life. Okay, We think that the problem is the person that we're dating, the person that we're married to. We think the problem is the person that we work with, the person that we work for. We think the problem is the person in our life group, right? that's annoying, that gets, that's frustrating. We think the problem in our life is the circumstances and the people in our lives. And so we come to Jesus for healing. We come to Jesus and say, hey, can you fix this? And how does Jesus respond to us? He says, I see your faith, and I need you to know that your sins are forgiven. We're like, sins? <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Jesus, no, 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 that's not the problem. Jesus, the problem is my circumstances. But if I had a better job, if I had a little more money, if I had a better situation, if I had different people I had to work, if I had, right, gee, that's the problem. Come on, can you fix this for me? And Jesus says, it's, it's almost like he reaches out, like with the leper that he touched. It's like he grabs us by the, by the face and he holds us to himself and he says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus has a different diagnosis. Jesus, the great physician, his diagnosis is that, you know what? You're missing God's plan. You're missing God's plan. And what's most important is that you realign your life back up with God. Now, I know that talking about sin, right? When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, talking about sin, it doesn't sound like good news. But you need to understand what sin is and how forgiveness works. Sin yeah, you know, most people think when they hear sin, they think, oh, bad things that people do. Well, that's not really the full definition of sin. Sin is anything that separates us from God. Okay? Anything that separates us from God. So it's anything that gets us off of the path 
of living in a relationship with Him. So it's not just doing bad things. Um, Sin is also doing anything that causes us to leave Him or His mission for us. Sin is anything that we would put ahead of God in our lives. And so this means that there are a whole lot of good things that we have, a lot of good things that we do, a lot of good things that maybe we even, uh, that, that, um, that can be sinful, okay? Let me give you some examples. Um, the need for companionship that we have, right? I just said it's not good to be alone. We need friends like this. We need to be friends like this. Well, that need for friendship or companionship can drive us into relationships that don't honor God. And then that relationship that might be a good thing because you put it ahead of God and God's ways um, becomes sin. The need to provide for yourself and or your family can lead you to make to doing to, to business practices that don't honor God. Right? Then the need becomes higher than God and it's sin. Um, the need to let other people know when they've hurt you. Right? That's a good thing. It's good to be honest. It's good to be able to tell people when they've crossed over appropriate ways to communicate. Well, that need sometimes can lead us to punish other people with our words and our actions. It can lead us to taking vengeance on other people in a way that doesn't honor God. And so we come to Jesus with our desire to see life change. And Jesus says, gosh, you know what? I don't think you've actually seen what the real issue is here in your life. The real issue is that you have left God. You've put things ahead of God in your life. And that is sin that needs to be dealt with. Now, I've often wondered, I'm sure that you have too, well, why doesn't Jesus just do both, right? Why doesn't he fix our circumstances and heal, right? Like, why doesn't he, or why doesn't he heal us and forgive our sins, right? Well, I think to get at that, to ask like that kind of a why question, we need to understand what God's bigger plan is, okay? Um, and you need to understand, like, what is God doing in the world? Like, have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, God is up there ruling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's up there listening to prayer, answering prayer. He's up there orchestrating events. What's he doing? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what exactly is God doing with all of his power and all of his authority and all of his wisdom and all of his foresight? What's God doing? Well, God is on a mission to renew the entire world. Okay? God is on a mission to renew the entire world. He wants to fix everything. He is on a mission to get everything to be perfect. And so everything in society, from relationships, dating, marriage, friendships, families, kids, the working environment, bosses, employees, God is on a mission so that oppression will end so that anyone with power will stop abusing their power and taking advantage of other people, right? So God is on a mission to set women and children free from sex trafficking, right? God is on a mission to bring reconciliation to people who hate each other, 
politically, racially, even just agenda-driven. Like, God wants to bring the gay community and the church together, right? God is at renewing. He wants, to, he wants people at every level to be renewed and perfected. Individual people, so that their relationships and their work and their communities would experience it. It starts with people, and then it hits small circles, and then ever-widening circles. I mean, this is what God is doing in the world. So that the people that you know best would know you well. So that you would know them well. So that the people around you would feel love from you. And they would experience the way life is supposed to be in small, like, foretaste kind of ways. God wants you to be agents of his renewal. Okay, God has this vision and has put in you a power. He's put in you a person. And he wants you, everywhere you go, to bring his renewing influence. Like, this is what God is doing in the world. He wants you to be a minister of Jesus Christ so that people who know you would feel like they've been loved by God because of the way you have treated them. He wants, to, he wants to see a world that's free of the love of money, but can use money to bring justice and prosperity to everyone. Okay, this is what God wants for the world. This is his plan for the world. And to put it frankly, we don't like God's plan. The biggest reason why we struggle with God's plan is because we don't like the way that God is executing the plan. Like, we love the vision, right? We love the end goal. We love the idea of a renewed world where everything's made perfect. But what we don't like and what often actually turns into hate for us, we hate the way that God is bringing about this plan. What do I mean? Well, here's the difference. Let's go to the next slide. We think, okay, God, here's how you should do this. Fix the world and our circumstances, and that will renew people and bring in the glorious future. That's what we think. That's how we pray. That's how we act. That's what we think is most important. No, we should fix the circumstances, right? We should fix this. We should fix the problem. When most of you have a friend who comes to you with a problem, you think, oh, how can we fix the situation? How can we fix the circumstance, right? And then we get mad when God doesn't heal the paralytic, right? We get upset and frustrated when God doesn't heal our circumstances, fix our circumstances, because we think, dang, God, you want me to act this way? Well, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you, right? That's kind of how we think. This is how we think the world should be renewed. And that's not God's plan. The way that God thinks about renewing the world, God thinks, I'm going to renew people. And if I renew people, then the circumstances, no matter what the circumstances are, the circumstances can't win. God wants to fill the world with people who are so changed by him that they would have this powerfully renewing influence in every circumstance, in every situation. God wants people who are waking up to the fact that their life is designed 
for him and for his glory, not their own. God wants to pull us away from thinking that it's our circumstances that can dictate the quality of our life. He wants to wean us off of being dependent on our circumstances. And he does that by renewing our hearts and then leaving us in circumstances where there's no natural explanation other than God at work in your life for why you're still happy. Friends, we screwed this up so badly. We screw this up so badly. We live as though what we want and what we need is most important. That is sin. That's sin. There are good things that you want, but you don't, but so often we want those good things ahead of what God wants. I mean, how many times have you actually said, God, I'd really like for you to do this, But if there's something better for me, then I'll take that. Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever said, God, is this what you want? Or yet, God, if you want me to wait to have this, what can I learn in the meantime? Friends, we are missing out on the life that God has for us. We're missing out on communing with God in every circumstance. And Mark is showing us that Jesus has an agenda that is so different from ours. Right? In some ways, it looks like a worse life. I mean, for you, which would you rather have? Would you rather have physical healing or spiritual healing? Would you rather have something happen to you that would prepare you for the next 40 years of your life? Or would you want God to work in you so that you're prepared for the next 40,000 years? So often, God says no or asks us to wait because it's best for the health of your soul or because it's best for the health of San Diego. Um, Here's a quote from a movie called The Robe. Um, Before I read the quote, so this woman, she was paralyzed in her legs, and um, this is a movie, so she's singing this amazingly beautiful aria of praise to God. And the main character of the movie goes to her and says, how can you sing like this when this person you're singing to, Jesus, has left you? just like this. And this is what she says. She says, I used to wonder that too, but then Jesus taught me the answer. If I were healed, it'd be very natural for me to sing and to laugh. But because he left me like this, it gives me the chance to show everyone who isn't healed that they can be happy in Jesus, even if they aren't healed. Friends, could you take this view of the world, this view of your circumstances, and download it into your brain like an app? I mean, 
Do you see now why our sins have to be dealt with first? Like honestly, when you look at the big picture, what is a more powerful testimony? You having everything in your life work out the way you want it to? Or you living in the circumstances that you can't control and still showing that you can be happy, that you can be productive, that you can be like a positive impact on people around you. I mean, people say, wow, like when Jesus did these miracles, it was so powerful, such an amazing demonstration of God's power. And sometimes I've thought, well, actually, it seems like the person who's not healed and yet still trusts Jesus and has this renewing influence on other people, that's an even greater demonstration of the power of God. I think one of our problems is that we really do think that if our circumstances worked out, then we'd be better people. That's what we think, isn't it? Oh, if my marriage were just like this, I'd be such a happier person. Right? Oh man, if my work situation could do, you know, if this happened, or if I just won the, or if I, right? And we think, like, I would really be a different person. That's a lie. It's a lie. Because if things do work out, let's say they work out miraculously, your circumstances work out, then you are thankful for a week. Maybe a day. Oftentimes, the miraculous actually covers over the problem of our hearts. Okay, and our hearts aren't dealt with. And then we end up exactly where we were or worse. Friends, this is why God sometimes doesn't heal. This is why God sometimes doesn't give us what we want. Healing is not his chief concern. God is thinking about you for the rest of your life. God is thinking about the kind of impact that he would love to make through you to others. And that impact is often exceptionally greater when we don't get what we ask for if we can have this attitude. God wants to do for you what you really need now. It's good, what's good for you and what's good for San Diego, what's good for our church, what's good for your family, what's good for your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. God wants to put his renewing power on display through you because he cares about you. He cares about you on mission. He doesn't want you to live this like fat, happy life where nothing bad ever happens. He wants you to be overcomers. He wants you to be strong and powerful men and women who are like world changers, who change the people around you, who have an influence because, man, the way that you respond is impressive to me. He cares about our city, and he will not renew the city without a renewed people who are living for his glory. We think, I mean, this, again, like this is why the sins are so important, right? We think the stuff we do doesn't matter, but it does. Everything that we do matters. 
Every way that you respond is an indication of either the fact that you've been renewed and you're living in that renewal, or you are not renewed. Right? Every decision shows forth either the work of Jesus in you and through you, or it shows that you either don't know Jesus, or you're, you're, you're spiritually very immature and you're not yet producing fruit. The, the things that we do, like what we do actually comes from our hearts, but it also reinforces who we are. And so you think it doesn't matter, but, um, but the sins that we commit, they're like beachheads for selfishness and for evil in the world. Um, we're going to talk specifically about particular sins as we look at, uh, at the rest of Mark's gospel. Um, next week, we're going to look at anger um, and just how it destroys the world and why God would rather heal you from anger than heal your body or your circumstances. Um, and so I think it's good for us to remember like that God has this other plan. I hope that what you're realizing is oh man, okay, there might be a good reason why God doesn't give me what I want. Um, I hope you're also realizing, you know what, I don't know enough to know what's really good for me or for the city of San Diego. And I hope that you can trust that God knows best. I hope that you're seeing your sin in a bit of a different light. And that you're also seeing the good news that not only does God have a plan that you may not like, uh, that can be good news, um, and it's actually empowering. Let me just say this, because it's very empowering to realize that the problem isn't out there, but the problem is in here. Why? Well, because you can't do anything about what goes on out there. You can't change the people around you. You can't change your circumstances, but you can change your reaction to them. And if you've got the power of God in your life, then you can be a new person. Because Jesus says, son, daughter, if you have faith, I know more about your sin than you do. You're just scratching the surface. I can see the depths of your heart. I can see the depths of the negative impact that your responses have on your own life and the lives of the people around you. And I don't tell you that to condemn you. I tell you that to forgive you. Jesus knows that the moment that he says, son, your sins are forgiven, that he's going to have to pay for them. And this is where the gospel leads. Everywhere Jesus offers blessing, everywhere Jesus offers forgiveness, everywhere Jesus gives someone a new start, a fresh start, whether it's for the first time or the 101st time, Jesus knows that for that sin to be forgiven, he is going to pay for it. That this, is, this road of forgiveness, it's free for us, but it leads him to the cross. And Jesus, when he sees our faith, he is willing to go there so that we can be set free. Friends, that's good news. When God's plan's different from ours, it is always better than ours. 
Will you trust him with that? Let's pray. Jesus, we do confess that we think we know better than you. Uh, We confess that we have been selfish in our praying. Um, We have been closed off to you. We have come to you with our agenda, and we've gotten upset and frustrated with you. And I'm so thankful that this passage sort of peels back the curtain, and it shows us the bigger picture, that you know what's really wrong, and that you really care more deeply even than we do of what's best for us and for the world. So Jesus, help us to trust, your, to trust you and to trust your plan. Help us to be willing to follow you no matter where you lead. Help us to honor you and to follow you even when it's difficult, when we aren't healed and the circumstances aren't fixed. Jesus, renew us by the power of your forgiveness. Set us free from our sin so that we would be new people in the same circumstances with a radically different result. Jesus, we can't do this alone. This is why we need, we need friends around us. We can't respond this way on our own. We need you and we need your work through others. And so I pray also, Jesus, that for those of us who don't have these people in our lives, will you move in them to go to someone today and say, hey, I need help getting to Jesus. For those who are Christians and non, Jesus, move in us so that we would get the help that we need. We would just connect with someone and go a little deeper in a friendship so that we can begin to open up and talk about where we want to grow, where we are growing. Thank you, Jesus, for knowingly forgiving us, knowing what would cost you We worship you and honor you. We pray in your name. Amen.